Welcome to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Deep Dive. So, RJ, eventful day of practice for you, uh, and 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 those of you that were there, those those of the reporters, I should say, that were there. Um, obviously, we record this on Sunday. Everyone's gonna be hearing this tomorrow for us on Monday for the Chicago game. But you know, if if people somehow missed the you know Instagram post or the tweet you sent out with your uh, your great practice recap. Why don't you go ahead and fill people in? Because uh, there's, there's got to be some questions and stuff. Yeah, for sure. I mean, let, let's get into this story. It was certainly an interesting practice, the most interesting of the season. Uh, it was a pretty light turnout at practice today among the reporters. It's Sunday. Yeah, I get it. But for those who were there, we certainly got a treat. And we didn't really realize it until the end of practice. So... It was as normal of a practice as you can possibly expect, right? All 23 players there, full attendance, so no one else missing. Pretty short practice, too. Just half hour long. Pretty light drills. Nothing too heavy after they played last night. Makes sense. But about a quarter of the way through practice, I noticed that something seemed off about Chris Drieger. I noticed him in one of the drills. He was going down with a motion that was a little different than what I was used to. He was staying down longer. He wouldn't get up as fast and he kept kind of looking down toward his pads. Like what's, what's going on here. So I thought maybe he pulled something. It looked like he was injured. That was my first thought. I thought, Oh no, Chris Drieger has injured himself. He's trying to play through it. Uh, but he's injured himself, and I kind of could spot that. Cause, so cause that's what yeah. all goalies in the midst of a team's nine-game losing streak should be doing, is trying to play through injuries at practice. And I was thinking that to myself. I'm like, why are you still doing this? It, it seemed like he was hurt. And after the drills, too, he would just be kind of hunched over in that, you know, like goalie down stance. And he would just skate along the ice so slowly. <laughs> He looked like he was tired, too. I was like, is he out of shape? What's going on here? Um, so I ended up sending you a text. And I think mm -hmm. it just said something like, something about Drieger looks off. I think he might be hurt. And you're like, oh, no, you know, that's not good. Yeah. Um, was, and I was that was that total Grand Theft Auto meme. Oh, you know what? Here we go here, again. Here we go. <laughs> yep. So I sent that to you. And I was thinking to myself, because it was just me and like some of the, the root broadcast people. Again, pretty light turnout. I was like, do I do I say something? Do I tell them? I don't know. Because I was curious for their opinions, because they had been watching practice too. And I'm like, mm -hmm. well, do they agree here? So, you know, I turn and I was just like, hey guys, do you think Drieger pulled something? I mean, is this does he look hurt to you? And and first person was like Everett Fitz. He's like, don't put that out there. Don't say that. Don't put that negative energy out there. I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. But he just looks off, doesn't he? And after watching them a little bit, they're like, well, I, I think he's all right. You know, it, maybe he won't go 100 percent, you know, on a drill or something. It is practice after a game day. And we all kind of agreed like, all right, well, you know, he's probably all right. Um, so then we watched him for another couple drills. And actually on the next drill, it was this like breakaway drill in close. And he made this fantastic diving save back to Rob. I think it was Ryan Donato. And we just kind of looked at each other and like, okay, yeah, I guess Driggs is all right. You know, he's doing good. So rest of practice happens. And I kept an eye on him too, because something still looked a little bit off. So practice is over. And, you know, he's kind of down there stretching in front of us. 
he takes his mask off. And the first thing we notice is he's balding. Chris Drieger is balding. There's not a whole lot of hair there. And we're like, wait, that's not normal. Uh, and he turns his face around. There's no beard. So that's uh, the other thing you look for with Chris Drieger. And we look at each other. And the first thought is, what did Chris do last night? <laughs> what is what happened to him? And then someone skated by and he's like, you know, hey, Ali, how you doing? And then it clicked like that's Andrew Allen. That's the goalie coach. And it was clear as day from that point. I saw his face. Yeah, that was Andrew Allen wearing Chris Drieger's equipment. And with that reveal, everyone just lost it. Like we could not believe that Andrew Allen, the 45 year old goalie coach who career ECHLer. Only 14 games of AHL experience. And yes, we looked this up right afterwards. <laughs> That's how I know. He was wearing Drieger's equipment the whole time. And it took us till the end of practice to fully notice that. I, I just, we could not believe that. Uh, yeah, I, I, that's the story. So he skates off and we're just left dumbfounded here. And I, I, I guess, I, I don't know what the angle here is, but I mean, one thing I can think of is who does this look the worst on? Like, is it on the goalies where we can't tell the difference between when the goalie coach comes in uh, and, you know, versus the goalies that are out there? Or does it look worse on the Kraken skaters who really couldn't score on him very much? You think like he should be getting lit up right now. This is the goalie coach. And he wasn't. He actually looked pretty good. Yeah. And I could tell the Kraken skater, they weren't holding back. I don't know. He, he did well enough that we were fooled. Or mm -hmm. ultimately, does this look the worst on us who were there, who were watching this entire practice and couldn't tell the difference? Yeah, I think it's kind of a little bit from all of those categories, a little bit all of the above. Um, yeah. At least I noticed something was up. Mm -hmm. So I, at least I'll give myself that amount of credit. But uh, yeah, that was practice today. <laughs> yeah, no, you should definitely take you know take some credit for for noticing that uh definitely give you props at least from me for noticing what was going on uh yeah you know as usual truth lies somewhere in the middle of it all probably but um i mean you guys i'll give you guys a pass because uh in the media side of things because yeah full goalie face mask you're really not going to see much in the pads and everything like he's wearing Drieger's equipment. It's not like it's his equipment or somebody else's or something. So you have no reason to suspect at that point that it would be anything other than Drieger and maybe a slightly injured Drieger, especially if he's playing up to par. Um, I do think it, it's it's funny though. Like everybody's just like, oh my gosh, Andrew Allen. He, he's still he's you know he's got it. He's forty five or whatever. I'm like, Broder basically played till he was forty five. <laughs> like it's not too ancient, is it? <laughs> No, and I think, you know, he looked pretty good. And mm -hmm. Haxtell even afterwards said, yeah, he was he was pretty impressive in net. And he, he sure was. So first and foremost, credit to Andrew Allen. I mean, yeah. he still got some game. You know, that much is clear. Uh, so th that was pretty cool to see. And yeah, you, you just don't expect it to be an entirely different person under that goalie gear. No. Uh, all right. So I have I have a couple questions. First, I'll finish with the with the. Uh... The age thing. Well, no, I'll get to the questions first. All right. So two questions. One, was he made available for, you know, for you guys to ask questions afterwards? <laughs> no, we, so, okay. We, we did ask, 
Um, I think he, he was made available to someone, uh, but, uh, but it wasn't to all of us. It wasn't media scrum. We did ask though. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we just got hacked all talking about it. And, uh, I think we were going to ask some more questions, but it quickly turned to the darker side of like, okay, why is, why is Drieger out yeah. and all that? Um, so that's, that's the first answer, but I'm sure we'll be hearing something about that from, uh, from Alan himself. Right. And then I was going to say emergency goalie, like, for sure. If they need someone, I know they've got the emergency backups already lined up that are there for every game. Yeah, but why not but, just make it him, it sounds like. Yeah, I, I think he would be a good option. Certainly after watching him in practice, if they're if they need someone in a pinch, that's the guy I would go to if you're trying to win the game. Uh so yeah, good on him. Yeah, and, and I'm sure, you know, he put everything he had into this performance and he's gonna be sore <laughs> the next couple days. Uh, For sure. as, as any of us not in playing shape would be regardless of age. <laughs> yep. I mean, he did look pretty darn tired by the end of it. At the end of one of the last drills, the players wanted to shoot on him a little bit more and he just kind of waved his glove. No, no, no more, please tap it out. No more. Yeah. Oh, that is, that is good. And you know, it is a welcome kind of fun surprise story to talk about because otherwise when we look at the Kraken, What's there to discuss other than the losing streak that they're in the middle of? (laughs) Yep, kind of fit in the room right now. All right, RJ, before we go any further, though, we got to talk about it. We finally have a pregame show. Yes, uh, it's something that was uh, built up a lot of hype for sure. I think people were anticipating it. Uh, I got to see a little preview of it that morning and I was excited to see it, you know, what it would look like with 17,000 fans there getting excited. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool. What do you think, Dylan? I thought it was very cool. I think it's, you know, I haven't seen all the pregames from around the NHL, but I do have enough experience to know that most of them do not utilize certainly the, the space, the way the Kraken utilize Climate Pledge Arena, and um, they certainly don't utilize the the on ice projection nearly enough. These other teams, and and so I love seeing that. You and I have been talking about that since before the season even started. What's the number one thing we want to see as part of whatever pregame hype up stuff they got? It was to utilize projecting onto the ice. Kraken did that. I thought they did it very well. I liked the you know the quick edit stylistic stuff of the first portion of it. That really spoke to me. I enjoyed that a lot. And then you know the 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 ice breaking from the tentacle cracking through the ice like that was awesome to me. I, I talked about it a little bit on the post game show. You know we'd passed by those ice shards in the back of the arena and, and kind of the, the, the dark recesses of the arena. So we would walk to the uh, media availability stuff and, and you'd see them. And certainly at the time up close before they were really rigged up to do anything, it was just like, yeah, well, it's just like carved install insulation foam. Like it's just yep. jagged pieces of foam. <laughs> like they could have just picked this up from the scraps at home Depot. <laughs> What's going on here. But to see them last night, the way they were utilized with, the light, like, were those lights on them, it, se- it seemed like? Yeah. yeah. Yep, the lights were on them. And the overall effect of the audio cue clicking in and, and just the visual of it all and the way they used the lights and even used the twins to have the ice even go up even further, I thought that was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, that's the thing that, that really struck me, kind of gave me some shivers in the morning when I first saw it. Um, 
when we saw the tentacle, because we knew that the tentacle was there. We had all seen it <laughs> yeah. for a couple of weeks before. We knew it was there. And it just leaves that question in your mind. Okay, what are they going to do with this? Mm-hmm. And all I could think of, and I think same for a lot of the people I talked to, was just like, oh, are they going to like kind of skate out of it or next to it or something? <laughs> like the more traditional intros, you yeah. know, a lot of skate out of something. And so I thought that's probably what it was going to be. But yeah, I love the tentacle coming right down there at center ice. Like it's busting out of the ice. The shards going everywhere and lit up like that when it's all dark creates a really cool effect. Um, yeah, it was just really cool to see, especially after having seen that, you know, just down in the, you know, at the bottom of the arena for so long, seeing what they were able to do with it. I mean, I thought that was really impressive. For sure. And then to utilize the space they did just with, you know, the three dimensions and, and having the stuff kind of in the air. I mean, that's what it looked like, certainly from the video. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like the ice shards and everything were in the air at different levels. Yeah, they were right? like suspended. Yeah. Exactly. At different levels suspended from rigging up at the top of the arena. Yeah, that's something I haven't seen before. Is, is no, utilizing, I haven't seen yeah, that. Yeah, u- utilizing the space in that way. And then, of course, utilizing the, the drop down curtains to project the you know the big kraken eye up there right before the tentacle busts out of the ice you know in quotes mm-hmm. <laughs> doesn't actually get everybody sorry they have to play a game on it after you know immediately afterwards um that again like what other arena has you looking in different directions for things and it's and it's nice because it you know you could tell that was done while they were lowering everything down into position so it's it's the classic magician trick of you know don't look at the right hand look pay attention over here while this other Mm -hmm. hand's doing the thing and and that i think is again something very unique to this pregame and just something that is that is really cool and different yeah, people who had watched kind of the the video that I put out had talked about timing issues and like, oh, there's too long of a pause here while the tentacles coming down. But no, and that's partially my fault also just recording this because I want to just get the wide angle. I didn't want to miss anything. But if you're there and you're looking at the show, it really does draw your attention over to that Kraken eye that's there. And, you know, when I watched it the first time in the morning, I wasn't even looking at the tentacle coming down because I was like, whoa, look at that eye there. And, you know, it's kind of blinking and looks so menacing. Um, yeah. It, and and then it draws you right back to the tentacle when it's time to go. Uh, it's something that it's really hard to capture just on a video there. You know, if you're just recording it versus being there live and it really does have that effect live. Uh, I still haven't watched how the root broadcast covered it, but I think they kind of did change the cameras to kind of look at different elements at the right time. Certainly the Kraken video they put out on their YouTube channel does that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's kind of meant for you to look at it in a certain way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously they have the capability of doing that <laughs> in a way we don't, you stand in there with your phone, not quite I able really... to do that. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yes, I thought it was a success, you know, seemed worth the wait. seemed like everybody in the building enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, the reviews were were very positive. Uh, I put out a poll actually uh, yesterday asking people what they thought of it. I gave three options and I'm going to go check the poll, see the live results right now because it's still up. I set it for a day. Didn't mm-hmm. mean to set it for that long, but here it is. <laughs> so three options. So cool was just OK or didn't like it. So the winner here is so cool with 70 percent. 29 percent right. say just OK. And then one percent say they didn't like it. All right. So, well, that's to be expected. You're always there's always have the that one yeah. percent. Yes. Yeah. But uh, overwhelmingly positive response. 
yeah people seem to like it right and my guess is that the people that gave a more lukewarm response probably were the people watching it on tv Mm-hmm. That would be my guess, because I could, because I I do think that there was stuff that I was I was putting myself, you know, into the mindset of if I was there, how would that reaction like like the ice shard thing when it first lights up, and and you have that audio cue. I could tell mm-hmm. on TV it's like oh okay that's kind of cool, but I could tell in person that would be amazing. Yes, yeah, you could feel it. You could yeah. feel it. Yeah, knowing how they got the, the the system in there, the audio system, I I, I knew, I knew. That's so. Um, and where it was projected on the ice, I don't know if you could tell this on the TV, but it, it's I don't know this kind of circle ring that closed in right as the tentacle was about mm-hmm. to come up, like you had it yeah. busting through. You could kind of feel that as like a vibration almost in in the arena, just closing in towards center ice. That was a cool element. Yes. No, it it was really awesome to see. Glad it's here. Glad that it's gotten a good response and that it seems worth the wait. Wish we had a mascot, maybe. <laughs> I know. No mascot yet. Um, and still no and, word on it. Just. <laughs> yeah, and I said this on post game. I'll say it again, just because I, I, I do believe it. You got to say something. Mm-hmm. People, look, the fans have been expecting a mascot. It was supposed to come by the end of the year. That was certainly, you know, the word that was out there, even if it wasn't explicitly set by the team. Hey, we're going to release a mascot by the end Mm -hmm. of the year. But just about all the fans thought it had heard that at some point, really anticipating it. And then nothing, which I get it if you need more time, if you want to do it right, whatever the delay is, I understand that. But you've got to make it known whether you put something out or kind of hint to the media. Okay, here it might be a little while because you're just leaving your fans hanging at this point. And, and that's not right to do. No, and certainly not given the state of the team overall as well. Yeah. Right. You know, the fa- sure. you got to give the fans something uh, as, as the season goes on, uh, especially, I mean, you sold those NFTs about it. Come on. Yeah. Come the on. NFTs have been-, <laughs> They've been sold. Those mascot NFTs that came with certain expectations. Um, yeah, no, interesting. Uh, another little thing that happened this week, of course, was All-Star rosters were announced. We in-depth covered all the All-Stars and all the last man ins on our other Patreon podcast, the Red Glare podcast. You know, everybody, uh, you know how to find that. You can find it, you know, on Twitter from us, on uh, the link to the Patreon, that is, on Twitter. It's in the description for all our YouTube videos. Um, for the Kraken. Got Jordan Eberle in as the Kraken's representative at the All-Star game. So kind of first off, let's let's talk about him. You know, certainly one of their better players through most of the season right now in kind of a slump. But uh, I think, you know, with the name recognition coming into the season and how he's performed, it makes sense. It does. Yeah, with the, with the total package of everything. And that's, you know, they don't always just look at, at numbers or performance even this season, you know. With everything there, and he's he's certainly been one of the you know most dangerous offensive weapons the Kraken have had, so you know certainly deserved. Yeah, I, I get the people wanting McCann, but uh, it'll be it'll be fun to see Eberle there, and I know you know you talked to him a little bit about it. Yeah, so I I did ask him, uh, you know, what event in the skills competition that he might want to do, what he thinks he'd be best at. And uh, he said that he hasn't even really thought about it. You know, he's got to focus on on the Kraken situation, obviously. 
but uh, you know, he did think about it a little bit and he said, well, you know, maybe shooting, accuracy shooting, something like that. I'm sure to none of our surprise, uh, he did say he'd want to steer clear of, of the skating competition, anything like that, because uh, he's pretty sure that Connor McDavid has that covered uh, from the Pacific team. Yeah, just a little bit, probably. Should be yeah. a good should be a good speed challenge, though, this year, oh, for sure. as, as we talked about. Um, yeah. And then for the last man in option, each division is going to get one person. The Kraken representative up to up for vote in. I'm sure you've seen enough of the campaign by now. Mark Giordano. Yep. Uh, everyone go vote the captain in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I get it. Uh, that being said, you know, I will say I'll give him some props. He's looked better recently. I really yeah. do think he he has he's turned some things around and stuff. And as we've talked about on some of the post games, you know, goes to the All Star game. Maybe maybe some some All Star from some other team, a franchise player perhaps from some other team, falls in love with him and goes back and says to their GM, "Hey, we got to bring this guy in at the trade deadline." And uh, I don't care what it costs, uh, just get it done. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and maybe that helps out the crack and come the trade deadline time. Which is rapidly approaching, actually. Which is going to be yep, fun, sure fun to fun to see everything break down. So that's that's it for the Kraken when it comes to the All Star Game. It's happening what two weeks from now, right? Like it's pretty close. February fourth and fourth is the Skills Comp. Fifth is the game, I believe, or the games. Yeah. Right, I think you're right on that. Yeah. But yeah, early February, it's coming, and yeah, uh, yeah you can go watch Jordan Eberle and possibly Mark Giordano there. <laughs> Who knows? Troy Terry's probably going to get it from the Pacific, maybe. Yeah, I, I would say he's deserving, for sure. <laughs> maybe a little bit more. Uh, we'll, we'll find out. It's going to be fun regardless. So, all right. So we had, you know, four games this past week, which, again, nice to get back to hockey. Nice to be able to watch the Kraken. Um, interesting to see them on the road. It feels like a thousand years since they've been on the road. Um, but they went ahead and they lo- they dropped all four games pretty used to seeing that up and down performances you know normally we would go game by game but i think we kind of decided as long as they're in the middle of this just losing streak we're just gonna kind of take them all as they are and, and talk about things in general because obviously things just aren't working whether it be game to game or just in general it's just in general it's not working um man there's once again we saw like different looks throughout the week from this team we saw different levels of competitiveness different levels of competitive fire uh i just don't understand rj like where is the consistency whether it be system wise energy level wise (laughs) performance wise like it's just nowhere to be seen i know and it's like we've compared it in the past to this ship that you know that's got us leak in it right and you go plug the hole in it and then water springs out of another area and you go plug that and then two more spring up you know i i've, I've heard whack-a-mole also used <laughs> there's something that comes up but yeah I, I think that's one of the problems is just that it's not even a consistent problem uh, there's always something different and we saw that with these with this three-game road trip where it, it was just something different every night yeah and what's crazy is you go and you look at like the advanced stats and there were some of these games, like that Dallas game, they should have won that Dallas game. According to all the metrics, expected goal, like they should have won that Dallas game. And that was arguably like the biggest loss. <laughs> um, 
it's it's wild to me. A couple positives though, because you know we can certainly dwell on all the negatives, but I don't want to just start with them and and everything. Couple positive, Drigger, fantastic. Yes, for sure. I mean, these are two of the best games that that he has played all season. Really getting into a rhythm and just having that kind of goaltending that again, not just is good enough because I mean we've just been wanting that at least. But the kind of goaltending that can actually steal you a game. Mm-hmm. Yes, the Kraken didn't win either of those two, but he played well enough to give them a chance to steal games that maybe they shouldn't have won. I was going to say, I think we can you know, kind of all agree that those games looked better eye test wise than perhaps the other ones. And, you know, outside of his rebound challenges, I mean, he was making the saves that we've been asking any goalie to step up and make all season sure. long, especially in that Kings game. There were, there were some incredible saves he made on some, uh, I think one of them was a, a dowdy slap shot that went up high that he somehow mm-hmm. handled. I was just like, dang, how did he, how did he get to that one? Um, the other positive I want to touch on is also from that Kings game. And that is the Kraken doing away with this whole perimeter offense type thing sacrificing the idea of winning the shots on goal battle to try to get in close on the goalie, try to get rebounds, try to score from the low slot, try to get tips. You know what I mean? Like, like they seem to really be focused on that in that Kings game. And I thought that was the best their offense has looked in, you know, the last 40 days when they've only won one game. Yeah. It was a different type of look from them. And a lot of the problems that they've had in the past was, generating a fair amount of shots but not many expected goals not many tight in close chances and this is something we've kind of talked about all season right and it was good to see them kind of change their mindset and i think it you know it's tough when they only get one goal out of it and it's on the power play but they really did get some quality chances there and i think it's one that they got unlucky if you just keep Mm -hmm. replaying those chances over and over again you're gonna get more that go in Uh, i know it was on the power play for their one goal but how about that tip by kelly yarncroke up in the slot and then johansson being right there in front to clean it up Mm -hmm. it's the kind of thing that they were also doing at even strength uh it just they couldn't get one to go yeah i mean that's and that's the way you generate offense is you got to work for it like not everybody is Joe Pavelski where pucks are just going to find him and the goalie's going to be like 10 feet away from the crease and he can just do whatever he wants. Right. Um, you you got to work for him. And yes, that goal happens because of the yarn croak tip means the goalie can't handle it. Right. He has to make like a desperation save creates that rebound that Johansson was there to put home. Um, other times. Yes. Unlucky McCann with that big post, you know, ringing the post big time there. That one was, I thought for sure, going to go in. The Donato one that I think just about everybody thought might have been in, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Was... On first watch, I thought it went in. Yeah. Um, and that maybe it just glances enough of the goalie's shoulder that it goes up and hits crossbar. It looks like, cause like you see the Jersey move a little bit, but again, you're talking about something like, what are the odds of that happening? If you take that shot a hundred times, right?Ybe you know, three, <laughs> like it's, exactly. it, it's it, the unluckiness of this team is so astounding to me. The way rebounds always bounce right to the opposing team, never back to the Kraken's defenders. It's absolutely wild to me. Um, all right. So shifting from those two things, well, first off, do you have anything else positive from this week that you kind of want to highlight? Um, you know, I think, I mean, we covered Drieger, we covered the offense. I think the power play is one more thing, though. Mm-hmm. 
the power plays look dangerous. They're creating chances where they can move the puck across the slot, which is something they struggled with a lot at the start of the season. And certain plays like that, uh, you know, high, low, high play kind of into the slot uh, that that we've seen a few different times from them recently has opened up areas elsewhere, too, to move the puck around. They're not running that play every time, but just mm-hmm. the possibility that teams know they have to game plan for that. It opens up things in other areas. And I know we've covered that. You have brought the whiteboard out on post game to talk about it. Uh, but the power play is just one area I did want to highlight as uh, it, it looks dangerous. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly the most dangerous looking part of their game. And I do think teams are having to respect it. And yes, it is good to see that that kind of triangle play that they were trying to make work earlier in the year when their power play couldn't score a goal to save, you know, anybody's life um, is working now that that half boards to the guy down kind of parallel to the goal line side of the net and then back up to the bumper uh, who, you know, in some cases is able to put it home now. Um, all right. So negatives from this week, we talked about the inconsistencies. One of the big things that people kept wanting to talk about game after game during the post-game lives was the, the consistency problem related to effort and competitive fire and just energy level. And, you know, I, I get it because we're kind of back to, in some of these games, the other team gets to score, you know, five minutes into the game and we're playing from behind because we're off to a slow start. Then there are other times where the Kraken can just pour pressure on and the other team looks completely helpless to deal with it. And then there are just times where late in the game, you know, you look at like the Colorado game. It's just like, what the heck happened? Like they just stopped playing. Yeah, it's it's just inconsistent is the word for it. And it's made all the more frustrating by knowing that they are capable of these times where they just dominate play for long stretches. And especially now on this road trip where you've seen it sprinkled in at least once every single game, it's there within every game. It's not Mm -hmm. like just one opponent. Oh, they can't do it. Uh, Yeah, it's it just gets frustrating at a certain point. And uh, I I really don't know what else I can add about that because it's an effort thing. It's not a skill Mm -hmm. thing. It's not a strategy thing. It's, it's just a matter of effort. Right. And we've talked several times about this, whether it be post-game lives or on the podcasts. But, you know, people want to know, like, oh, where should it be coming from or whatever. The bottom line is coaches can work to motivate guys, but they got to also motivate themselves. You need the leaders on the team to get guys going. And I and I feel like it's just missing across the board. Like, like I just get the sense that nobody in that room, whether it's a coaching staff member or a player is really working hard and trying to focus on evening things out from that competitiveness standpoint. And um, that's, I guess, a little hard to see. Maybe it's like, okay, you can get it. The team kind of basically has an actual 0% chance of making the playoffs at this point. (laughs) So you could say like, I'm not going to like, you know, bust my hump for, for this, you know, team in the midst of this losing streak and stuff. But we also, we've heard guys talk about that that's what it takes. We've seen guys put in individual efforts where it looks like they're trying to do that leading by example, but not enough people are going with them and then it kind of disappears the next game. And it's, you know, it's just, it's tough because there is no answer to it. it it's just, they, they just got to do it, like you said. And uh, as, as everyone keeps bringing up, this is where you miss Turbo a whole lot. I was going to say, we have to bring that up. It's one of those things we brought up on post game, but have to bring it up here. 
Tanev's injury, I, that just hurts so much not having him around. You look at this is a nine-game losing streak. Mm-hmm. Eight of those nine games, eight of those nine losses have come since Tanev was out. It, right. I don't. Those are not. That's not a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and somebody's got to step up and do that. Yanni Gord is capable of doing that, and he's tried. But you know, there were games this week where it was like, "Is Yanni Gord even playing?" I'm asking myself. You know what I mean? Donato tries, although. His is still maybe a little bit different. He He's a good spark plug for just generating offense. Just He'll just have some like sweet power move, drive to the net, and that'll kind of wake up the offense at times. Um, but maybe isn't going to be useful all the way around. I don't know. I just, I want to see somebody get angry. Like I, I'm, I'm kind of just tired of hearing guys talk about how disappointed they are in it and how mm-hmm. much it, oh yeah, it sucks. Well, yeah, yeah, it's it's not fun. It's uh, it's bad. It's like no, get pissed off about it. Like it's okay. You're a professional athlete. Your job is to win hockey games, and you're not doing that right now. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't know. I I I know that it's it's like a thing. You don't show that emotion to the media and the public for whatever reason. It it has been decided long ago. Athletes are not supposed supposed to be passionate about the sports that they're playing, but they need to have a hundred percent of effort given and all that stuff. I, I don't get it. We want them to be emotional on the playing field or playing surface and not emotional elsewhere for some reason. But even still, we saw it way back during the first Colorado game when they got the snot beat out of them. Tanev broke his stick over the bench, right? Like we saw it. There was, there was that fire there. We knew that going into that locker room, things were going to be said. Just don't see any of it. You know, in post-game interviews, don't see any of it on the ice right now. Yeah, it's just nowhere to be found. If you look after that Colorado game, they turned they turn things around. They actually mm-hmm. started getting a few of their wins. So um, they just, they needed to come from somewhere. Yeah, and, it, it, you know, in, until that happens, I don't see things changing all that greatly, even though they're playing well. Again, it's it's this weird thing where they're, they're playing well, they can be expected to win a game, and yet we can also watch the game and just be like, yeah, no, they, they weren't going to win that game. You know what I mean? It's kind of it's kind of crazy. Um, not, not totally doom and gloom. I guess one thing to talk about, as uh, I want to sh- shift over into talking about the coaches now, because obviously lots of talk about Hackstall again because of the losing streak again. It's natural. Talking about Andrew Allen earlier, though, I do want to touch on there was plenty of talk throughout the season that you and I have both received about the idea of, look, do we even have a goalie coach? Is the goalie coach doing anything as we've watched? You know, certainly Grubauer just have a season for the ages in the worst way possible. Um, I think, you know, maybe we saw Andrew Allen... I mean, he at least knows how to play the position based on what you saw today. And we know he's around. Do you think, you know, do you think maybe it's an issue of it's it's just Grubauer kind of like you and I have talked about? Or do you think maybe it's Andrew Allen, 45, could be considered young for a coach? You said mm-hmm. not a lot of, like, you know, career success for him. Didn't, didn't ne- you know, never went to the NHL, any of that kind of stuff. Do you think it's just one of those that... He, he's maybe a, a, a do kind of guy, but he doesn't know how to communicate that effectively. I know it's hard. It's not like we're in the room listening to any of these people, but do you think that that might be the situation or do you think it's just one of these no off season, no regular off season for Grubauer just kind of got to him big workload last year, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before, before I kind of get started on the answer, I think, you know, it's worth 
throwing out the disclaimer that like, yeah, we're, we're not listening to these conversations between the goalie coach mm-hmm. and the goalie. It's hard to know. We, we can't know how he communicates mm-hmm. and, and what his style is with all of that. Um, you know, I've just, we've seen him during practice and everything and he seems kind of like, like a goalie coach to me, you know, he talks <laughs> yeah. to the goalies, he works with them. He, and, and he helps out, you know, with some of the skaters and drills too. I've noticed that too. So it's certainly not like he's, you know, not there, not active, not involved, any of that sort of thing. But I think it's possible that, that it could be a goalie coaching thing. Uh, certainly Drieger's last couple performances, you know, might lead you to believe that it's not, mm-hmm. um, you know, if, if he can kind of figure it out. And and I think that's probably the missing key to see, okay, is it a goalie coaching thing is, well, how's Drieger going to do? And it's been so difficult because he just can't get any kind of runway to build some momentum this season. He's been hurt. And now, of course, I should have mentioned this earlier. The whole reason that Andrew Allen was, was playing goalie there in Drieger's gear is that Drieger is now in COVID protocol yeah. coming off of two of the best games of the season, which just a huge blow to the team. I mean, you talk about bad luck. Mm-hmm. That is the last thing this team needed right now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it's hard to say for sure. I think there's also some evidence, you know, that that maybe it's a Grubauer thing because he also struggled coming to Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even when even Ron Francis mentions that in an interview, he said, well, look, he struggled calling to, coming to Colorado. I think there's something to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think kind of the Drieger piece is, is what will tell you if it's a goalie coaching thing. And unfortunately, we might not find that out for a little while. I know it's it's unreal. All that Chris Drieger, the, the in and out of the lineup, in and out of the, being on the active roster, truly, truly kind of incredible to see. Um, and yes, you know, we'll probably still find out this season from Grubauer. It's very easy to get lost up in this whole, you know, we're at the very you know bottom of the league, basically no chance of making the playoffs. But, you know, you look at it and you're like, well, there's still over half a season left there's a lot of time left for somebody like Philip Grubauer to potentially turn it around, give us some hope, you know, moving into the next season, kind of prove some of the stuff you and I've been saying, which is he is not this bad. He will not be this bad forever. Uh, at some point it will turn around at some point, you know, bounces are going to go this team's way and, and go some of these players way. Um, so it'll be interesting to see as the season goes on. Uh, loved your answer about the goalie coach though. On the hack stall. It's, it, it, it's the thing that never goes away is talking about hack stall, his fit for this team, whether he was the right hire in the first place, which I think is at this point kind of, there's no point in really discussing because it all is what it is. Uh, but, you know, we did get an interesting question after that Kings game, which was, what is the magic number? Like, at what point do, you know, we think we might see an in-season firing of Hackstall this season? Is there a magic number even? And, uh, you know, you gave a good answer. I'll let you repeat it here for anyone who wasn't there. Yes, uh, my number is 18. <laughs> and the reason the number is 18 is because that would be the longest losing streak in NHL history. Yeah, I think it would take something historic for Hackstall to be fired midseason. And that's where the history is. So 18 would be my number. They are halfway there right now. (laughs) It's a long way to go still. You know, nine more losses is is a long time. Although I think they play nine more games before the end of the month. Mm -hmm. But uh, that would be my number. I do not support an in-season firing of Hackstall. For the record, do not support it. You do not want to do that in your first season. But, you know, I'm, I'm always I'm a believer that there always is a line. You know, 
you talk about like players, even in a trade, oh, he's untouchable in a trade. There's always something. Mm-hmm. Any deal can be made. You know, anyone can be fired or trade, anything like that. There's always a line. If Haxtell loses every game for the rest of the season, he won't make it that far. <laughs> it just, yeah. he just won't. So there's a line somewhere. I That's where it is for B. Right. And, and I think that that's the perfect spot. And I think that makes all the sense in the world. I was asked earlier about the idea of them you know, having an in-season firing and, and what it might take. And I said, if the losing streak gets up close to 20. So I was kind of right in that same boat. I didn't know the exact number, the exact record. Um, the other thing being that, yeah, you don't see in-season firings for a season going like this. Like you do that earlier in a season because you're going to try to salvage it like Vancouver did. Yep. Right. They did it while there was still a lot, a lot of games left. So that if things worked out the way that they were hoping they would and seemingly have, you have enough runway to still try to put together a playoff run later in the season. There's basically no chance of doing that with the Kraken now, so it doesn't make any sense to rock the boat when you don't need to. And there's enough other things rocking the boat to begin with. You're still dealing with COVID. Your season's all over the place. You're having games postponed sometimes, not other times. It's it's a total mess. You're still an expansion team in its first season. Everybody's still getting used to the city. You're still getting used to the you know each other. Like it's yep. it's only 37 games in, so I don't see uh, an in-season coach firing happening. Partly because I don't think this losing streak will get to 18. Like that, I, I just can't believe it given how well they still play night in night out. Um, yep. And and I really think you know how much of it is Haxtell's fault versus things like just having extremely bad goaltending. Because yes. if you look at this team and you say, okay, we give them an average goalie, this team is like 500. With how they're playing defensively, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just the numbers support it. Goal differential, not the perfect s- statistic at all. I will totally admit that. But you look at theirs compared to Arizona and Montreal's. I mean, Arizona's is is into the negative 60s. Okay? Kraken, negative 37 which obviously isn't great. But if you if you just sort like through the league based on goals for, they got 99. It's not great. Obviously, you'd like it to be higher, but it's certainly not bottom five. Like, like no. they're better than that. It's just their goals against is so astronomically high. I mean, you're talking 40 more than some teams. Caroline has only allowed 80 goals this season and Seattle Kraken have allowed 136. Now, obviously, Caroline is an extreme example on the other end of the spectrum. But again, think of somewhere in the middle ground in there. Think of how many games the Kraken lost in regulation because of just one or two bad goals that that would have been wiped away with average goaltending. Those games, you figure they're at least getting a point. They can send those to overtime. And so I, I think that's really where everything lies is we're just seeing an historically bad goaltending season, unfortunately, from Grubauer. And I'm not trying to dump on the Grubauer train, you know, the hate train or anything. But I, I just think that's where things lie. I, I understand the frustration with Haxtell. I don't think he's perfect, but uh, I got to think that that has been far more of the issue than anything he's tried to do from a system standpoint. For sure. And uh... Again, you've just, it's less than half a season. You've got to let mm-hmm. things play out. And I think you've got two more levels to go, essentially, uh, before you get to thinking about firing them. Because I think you have bad where you're at right now. Mm-hmm. And then there's embarrassing 
Mm-hmm. And then there's toxic. Yeah. And that's when coach firings happen. Usually even when they're, they don't want to happen when they have to happen is when things get to toxic. Mm-hmm. And we are, we are so far from that. Yes. Agreed. It'll be interesting. You know, I think it's a different conversation when you start looking at, will he be around for next season? Mm-hmm. That I think, you know, I, I said it on the, on the post game live. If they only win like 20 to 25 games, it's entirely possible that they move on. They look at the first year and they just say, it was just unacceptable. You've got the full 82 games and that's all that could happen. I I could see them doing it then. But I think if this team rebounds, again, over half a season left, team rebounds, team ends up with 30 wins or more. I think think they're going to keep him. And I think that they, you know, he deserves potentially that shot. Yeah, and if that's where they get to and they they rebound and they translate some of these good signs we've been seeing mm-hmm. into wins and do it on a somewhat consistent basis even if it's not enough to, you know, get back into the playoff race. Yeah, I think I see he certainly deserves another season if that arrow is pointing in the right direction. Yeah, I think if if they can get cuz cuz to get to 30 wins that would basically be them going about 500 the rest of the season. I think if they can, you know, hover around 500 the rest of the season, that would be enough for me to feel very confident in saying full off season, you know, get the goalies right, go into next season with Hackstall. I think things will be much improved. Yep. Yeah. All right. So that's kind of the, the Kraken talk based on the stuff of this past week uh, in relation to the, the games, which, you know, just, just not great. Unfortunately, can't wait, can't wait to see what happens when they finally win though. Again, like, it's going to be such a celebration. I miss our Emerald City dance parties. Yes, it's been so long. It's been over a month. The next one is is going to be crazy. It's going to be awesome. Hope it's a home game so I can be dancing in Climate Pledge Arena uh, <laughs> with everyone there. Yeah, it, it'll be fun for sure. But we're going to go back to RJ story time, I think. We kind of started with it with your practice report, but now you get to walk us through something else that you've done this past week that, you know, hopefully be of interest certainly to those in the seattle area yes i on wednesday i went to the uh, pacific science center's hockey faster than ever exhibit uh it's a limited run exhibition through february 27th so there's still 10 days uh, to go to it but uh yeah it was interesting of course i i love these kind of hockey exhibits especially at like a science center that sort of thing i think i went to one that the ducks had Years mm-hmm. and years ago. I mean, they had J.S. Jaguar's pads there, so that, <laughs> that should date it pretty well. Yes. Um, but I, I always think these things are, are really fun. And uh, this was a really uh, cool exhibition. They had uh, some kind of artifacts from, like, you know, the, the origin of hockey, explaining how hockey got started. And uh, they kind of go through all the different equipment, how that works. It's great for someone kind of trying to learn about the game. Um, and, and the docents, they were really helpful kind of explaining anything you'd want to know. And my favorite part, though, is they had interactive things that you could do. I love that kind of thing. Um, you can, you know, try and make the call as a referee. They got some video that you can see and try and make the call. Um, they had a uh, shooting challenges. Those are my favorite. You can see how hard your shot is. I love those. And? Um, and, all right. So, for getting into my game, Dylan the Scout, he already knows this. <laughs> my wrist shot is is definitely my strength here. I do not have a good slap shot. I, I rarely ever use a slap shot in a game. It's been years. 
So my wrist shot clocked in at about 65 miles an hour. It's pretty good. Slap shot at 50 something. So it's actually slower <laughs> than my wrist shot, believe it or not. <laughs> like significantly too. Yeah, significantly. That's why I don't use it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the wrist shot was respectable. Slap shot needs some work. Um, so that's where it was with that. Also, I should add that the pucks they use are these kind of like bouncy rubber pucks, not mm-hmm. not like the hard pucks. You know, like if you throw it against your head, you'll be fine. You know, it'll just bounce right off you. So different pucks, and that made it a little more difficult, um, especially for the accuracy shooting, which is the other challenge. Now they have five targets on the net, right? They've got the four corners and then the five hole. And you basically just try and hit as many targets as you can in the, I think it's 30 seconds, whatever it is that they give you. Um, now, I, I wish they would maybe score it a little bit differently based on different targets because they're all only worth one point. Mm-hmm. So it if you're trying to set the record, which I was, because the record there was uh, 22 that it showed as like the past record, it makes sense just to kind of spam the five hole and just throw as many pucks at that as you can. It's the easiest target. And with these pucks that bounce up a lot too, it's really hard to get some of these higher targets. And the sticks don't have a whole lot of curve on them. So I got up to 18. Did not set the record, got 18. Uh, so if any of you go to this exhibit, want to judge against what I can do, 18. I think the Kraken actually have a video that they showed, whether it's an intermission or before games, of uh, Everett and JT going to the uh, exhibit of the Pacific Science Center. And I think uh, they were probably both thrown off by those weird pucks, especially JT. Like, if you're a professional hockey player, you're not expecting these, like, bouncy rubber pucks. I think he got 12, Everett got 8. Uh but I'm sure give JT some more time and he could have blown away that record. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also going for some of the higher targets too. So um, yeah, that the strategy if you're looking to break the record is to spam the five hole, but uh, you can try going for some of those other targets too. Um, there was a, uh, like a goalie reflex type of challenge thing where there's kind of the different buttons that you press high and low and want to light up and you've got to go hit it. Uh, that was pretty fun. Um, and then they had like a, a trivia challenge as well. Uh, where you can answer some hockey trivia. You need two people, though, because it's, uh, you know, it's a competitive challenge. Mm-hmm. So um, I was uh, there with my girlfriend. We uh, competed in the trivia challenge. It was very close. It came down to the last question. Uh, but, uh, you know, I won't say who got it right. I'll, I'll leave that <laughs> a mystery. <laughs> oh, fun. I wish I was there to at least do that part with you. Yep. I, I would just get yeah. embarrassed during all the you know skills competition stuff, but that I think I could hang. Oh yeah, you, you would have cleaned up. I can tell you that much. Uh, you you would have done very well. Um, and then Dylan, are you good at bubble hockey? I've never played. Wow. Okay. I've, in all fairness, okay. I've never really had the opportunity to play, so I don't know. Right. I'm okay so there... at foosball, but that's any sort of you know. I think it does translate over a little bit. Because uh, they did have bubble hockey there. I played several times before and I was playing against my girlfriend who had never played bubble hockey before. She put me to shame. She <laughs> beat me every time I had any kind of chance or scored a goal. She just respond back with two more. So I, I think you'd probably do pretty well. Call it beginner's luck. Call it me just not being very good at it. Uh, yeah, it, it was pretty fun. Uh, it's one of those you have a player's perspective. It's hard to get that, you know, zoomed out whole ice thing down when you're you're so focused. You're you're thinking, all right, if I was that little plastic player, what would I be doing here? Right. <laughs> and that and that, you know, that that little bit, it's just a little bit of a disconnect, but it's enough that it's mm-hmm. uh, it makes the difference. <laughs> sure threw me off. <laughs> all so, right. 
yeah, but overall, yeah, great experience. I'd recommend going. There's 10 days left. I think they have a deal for, I don't know if they still have it, but they had a deal for $5 admission on Wednesdays. So that's a great deal. You know, just makes for a fun outing. You know, price is right. So go check it out if you can. All right. And last but certainly not least, RJ, yesterday the Kraken also unveiled their um, Hockey Talks initiative. And this is an initiative uh, partnered and presented by Primera. I will, I will give them props, Primera Blue Cross. And uh, it's all about you know the importance of getting rid of the stigma attached to mental health. And as part of the launch of this, they included you know they have several videos um, on their you know section of the website dedicated to this. They released kind of a a short video that had some segments from all four videos that they've put out on Twitter yesterday but includes a, a sit-around of Brandon Tanev, Chris Drieger, Riley Shahan, and uh, Hayden Fleury. And during this, they go over you know their own personal experiences dealing with uh, mental health issues, mental health issues that have affected those around them. And, you know, it's, it's really something that is obviously important in a lot of ways, uh, in, in all ways, really. And, you know, I, I like that certainly sports is incorporating mental health more and more. I've talked about this before on podcasts, on postgame shows, the importance of that role for athletes and what it means to the athletes. And, and because it means so much to everyone, right? It, it, you know, as, as so many of these videos do, it ends with the statistics of how many people are impacted by mental health and really they'll always say like one in f one in five people is, you know has some sort of mental health uh, issue diagnosis whatever you want to call it but that's that's only the people that are dealing with it themselves right that doesn't include their family members their friends you know society around them right it's 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 really something that touches all of us if we knew it was there, but so many of us don't know it's there for so many people. And we, you know, unfortunately, sometimes we'll find that out in the worst ways possible. So I'm really happy that the Kraken have done this. Mental health issues have been a big part of my life, good and bad, right? I've, I've always been a big proponent of talking about this stuff, ending the stigma about it, because I've struggled with so many of them myself. And, and you know this, right? Like they've impacted my life in a big way, um, I, whether it's anxiety and panic disorder stuff when I was younger, the depression that I still suffer from today, and just the endless joys that that can bring in life uh, from the most mundane of just not having energy uh, to, you know, the, the really serious stuff that is hard to discuss and it's hard to open up about. And it's, you know, you never know what someone's going to be thinking about it, how they might treat you differently. Um, it's, it is easier to keep all that stuff shut away. And at the end of the day, you just can't. You always need to talk to somebody, whether it's psychologist, therapist, family member, friends, anyone you think you can trust, you need to talk to. And that's really the core message of these videos of this Hockey Talks initiative uh, from the Kraken. And that's why I am so, so happy to see it, because it's something that, you know, it's it's it touches on something that I have lived through. I continue to live through. It's a message I very much believe in because I do think that mental health is health at the end of the day. It should be talked about as openly and with as little stigma as physical health is talked about. I've used this analogy many times, RJ, you know, 
Brain is just an organ. At the end of the day, it's no different than heart, lung, liver, whatever. For some reason, right, we can talk, someone has a heart issue, someone has an issue with their lungs, that's just okay to talk about. But the moment someone starts talking about having an issue with their brain, which is what mental illness is, things become different. And, and I don't believe that it should be different. I think they should all be treated equally seriously and equally open so that, you know, the people who are struggling with things like mental illness feel free to talk about it and get the help that they need because so many of us don't because of that. So very, very happy to see this from the Seattle Kraken. Uh, you know, totally suggest people go out and watch the videos that they've put out, get connected with it. And, you know, if you are someone who is struggling with this, you know, know that help is out there if you need it. And you should, you know, seriously be open to it. And, and anything that you're feeling, anything that you feel like you need to get out or discuss, or, you know, you've thought, well, I'm just different in this way or whatever, go, go talk to somebody about it. it can be anyone open up to somebody, open up just to a friend, like, Hey, I've just been feeling this way. You know, I don't know what's going on, whatever. It can be as simple as that, as mundane as that. But I promise you, even just that helps so, so much. So uh, just, you know, want to get that message out there. Want to spread the Kraken's message. Want to spread the general message of ending the stigma of mental health. Uh, you know, the, the stigma around it, really. So uh, very, very happy that the Kraken are a part of that and are doing that. And I think it's very, very important. And with that... We will end this episode of the Deep Dive podcast. Thank you so much for, you know, all the support that all of you guys give us. Hope you enjoyed this one. Got another fun week of Kraken hockey ahead. Let's let's get at it.